Welcome to r slash nuclear revenge, where child abusers get absolutely destroyed. Our first Reddit post is from Mergaroni. All right, everyone, this is a story passed down through the generations of my family. So while the title may seem rather extreme, this all happened a very, very long time ago. I was debating if this would fit here or somewhere else, though it should be fine here. It goes without saying, this did not happen to me, but rather, my great-great-grandfather back when he was a child living in a semi-small town in Louisiana. Please keep in mind that the people in the town were very racist given the time and area, though they hated the mother far, far more than her child. The main characters in this story are as follows. My great-great-grandfather, who I'm going to abbreviate as OP for simplicity. My great-great-grandfather's father, who I will abbreviate as father. Demon mother, Adam, the victim. Demon mother's other son and sheriff. Be warned, I'm not going to spare any of the graphic details. I will be telling this story exactly as I have heard it. Keep in mind, this is all word of mouth. I personally have not been able to confirm this story, but my family insists that this has happened. Our story takes place in the 1880s in a very small town in eastern Louisiana. OP and his family had moved from their native country of Spain to the Americas to flee interfamily conflict and had decided to settle with some other relatives. Within this small town, there was just a few families that had established themselves there, one of which was Demon Mother and her two children. Demon Mother had, at one point in her life, been a member of an extremely prominent family in New Orleans, the woman actually being related to another famous murderer from the city, though distant. From what OP's family had been told, Demon Mother was a smart, though arrogant woman that had possessed an immeasurable amount of wealth, though lost it after her family disowned her for conceiving a child through adultery in her marriage. She'd been married to a prominent doctor in the city, of which they had one child, Demon Mother's son. Though, when another child had been born, the husband had immediately called out adultery. Demon Mother's youngest son, Adam, had been born with caramel-colored skin and brown eyes, whereas both of his parents had eggshell white skin and blue eyes. After intense questioning, Demon Mother had confessed to having an affair with a local farmer, a man who had once been a slave but was freed after the Civil War. Her family immediately disowned her, her fortune stripped, and Demon Mother was about to be tossed out on the streets, but her mother had given her just enough money behind the family's back to allow Demon Mother to survive far away from the city, dead to the rest of her family except her uncle, the sheriff, and her mother. Demon Mother had taken her sons with her, and from OP's first look, it was extremely clear how horrible Adam had been treated. Adam and OP had gone to the same school, a small schoolhouse that also functioned as the church, along with Demon Mother's son, and on one day, OP noticed Demon Mother's son repeatedly smacking Adam on the back of the head, punching him in the gut, and tripping him in the mud while away from the teacher's eyes. When OP asked Adam about the abuse, he had simply gotten the answer, because I'm an N-word. OP, being an immigrant and not knowing the customs of the town, had shrugged it off and returned to playing. 
Months passed and the abuse continued. Adam would show up to school with black eyes, swollen lips, bruises, etc. And no one would do anything about it as the entire matter was considered a family matter. Though, even if someone had taken the initiative to confront Demon Mother about the abuse, she would meet them with the typical excuses of he got them while roughhousing or he fell. One day, though, things changed so much that OP and his family had gotten involved. Though OP and Adam weren't good friends, they were the only two boys of age 6 at the time, so they would often end up playing after school or during lunch. Demon Mother's son did not like this one bit. Demon Mother's son came up to the two boys one day, and this is roughly the conversation that had taken place. Well, I didn't know we had an in-lover here. What's your name, in-lover? OP said, I don't know what that means, but my name's OP. You must be Adam's older brother, right? Adam said, Older brother, leave us alone. We're trying to eat lunch. Demon Mother's son had apparently thought it was a good idea to toss both boys' food on the ground at this point, deciding that he had a new plaything to bully. Inwards and inward lovers like you two don't deserve to eat on tables. Go eat your food out of the dirt. It's important to note that Demon Mother's son was around 12 at the time, double the age of the boys. So fighting back wasn't an option. And even if it was, it would give Adam heck at home. While OP started to cry over his food, Adam had already gotten on the floor, attempting to pick up his sandwich, before Demon Mother's son stomped on it. But rather than stomp on the sandwich, Demon Mother's son had decided that it would be far more brutal to punch Adam in the back of the head while he was on his knees. After punching Adam, Demon Mother's son punched OP in the stomach before wandering off. Apparently, the fact that Demon Mother's son punched OP in the gut was enough to piss off OP's father, as the next day, OP's father paid Demon Mother a visit to sort things out. When OP's father met at Demon Mother's house, this was actually the first time they had seen each other as Demon Mother was essentially an introvert at this point. OP's father was met with a tattered, withered mess of a woman. Demon Mother had only been around 27 or 28 at this time, but it was extremely easy to pass her off for being in her late 30s. Her hair was a ragged blonde mess, knotted and matted as one would expect. Her face wore a permanent withered scowl of someone who had fallen from their absolute apex, doomed to fade out of their own existence like a withering weed. Her once elegant gown had become nothing more than a tattered mess used to cover her obese form. Demon Mother had never given OP's father any respect, even from the beginning, the argument ensuing before the first word could be spoken. Why did you make me get off of my chair? Do you understand I don't want guests or are you just stupid? OP's father, trying to keep his composure. I'm sorry, ma'am, but it seems that our boys got into a little scuffle. Your boy, Demon Mother's son, had punched my son and destroyed his lunch. Do you mind having a word with him? I won't be scolding my son for beating up trash like your brat. Just go F off. With that, Demon Mother slammed the door. OP's father, feeling that it wasn't worth the effort to keep bothering the stubborn woman, decided that the best course of action was simply to teach his son how to fight. 
Opie's father had taught Opie some dirty tricks to disarm Demon Mother's son, though Opie had never had to use them. The next day, something odd happened. Adam was nowhere to be seen. And then the next. And then the next. When the teacher asked Demon Mother's son where Adam was, Demon Mother's son said he was very sick. Though, when she asked what his symptoms were, Demon Mother's son kept contradicting himself. One more day passed before it happened. One of the stray dogs in the neighborhood had ended up with something peculiar in its greedy maw. And after one of the townsfolk pried it from the dog's maw, it was clear that it was a human rib. One small enough to be a child's. The dots were connected immediately though, due to the sheriff being the demon mother's uncle and the sheriff had decided that he would check on things himself. After a few hours, the sheriff reported to the townsfolk that Adam had just been buried the day prior after dying of some unknown disease, the dog having dug up the child's rib somehow. No one bought it, though no one spoke out for fear of any retaliation an accusation might have. OP's father, however, decided that he was going to take things into his own hands. He and three other men in the town had broken into Demon Mother's house that night while her and her son were at the sheriff's office to discuss why she did not report the death right away. And what they found was absolutely terrifying. Warning, if you're easily grossed out, skip ahead. What they found was in fact Adam, though it was Adam in several pieces. In the basement of the house was where he was killed, the boy having been bisected at the waist, flayed and dismembered beyond the point of recognition, minus his caramel skin which had been sitting on a table in piles. His ribs had been plucked from his body, his organs nowhere to be found except a clump of entrails scattered across the room. His body had been absolutely defiled and the assumption of his death was far from pleasant. Two of the men stormed back into town to spread the news as Opie's father returned to his family to tell his son that he would never see Adam again. Justice was swift and brutal. Just about every person in town stormed the sheriff's office and just about every person demanded justice. The sheriff insisted that his niece be given a fair trial while Demon Mother broke down crying, a hundred eyes sending unrelenting anger into her very soul as they raged over the merciless crime she committed. In the middle of the chaos, Demon Mother's son spoke up in a foolish attempt to protect his mother, saying that the only way they would get their lives back was if the kid was dead and that he ruined their lives. This foolish plea fell on deaf ears, only managing to fuel the rage of the mob as they stormed the room and grabbed all three of them. Demon Mother, Demon Mother's son, and the sheriff were given no mercy, the crowd grabbing all three and beating all three mercilessly, Demon Mother's son losing his life somewhere in the chaos. The remaining two were dragged to the top of the largest building and thrown off. Though, given it was only two floors, the crowd had continued to beat 
and eventually stabbed the two until the life left them. And that was it. The three were buried in unmarked graves somewhere in the woods while Adam's remains were buried in the local cemetery. In the end, four lives were destroyed over the greed of two people both trying to recapture the life they once knew through the most extreme method possible while the one man who could have avoided this death protected his family in a futile last resort. I'm going to be straight with you guys, this one was a little bit hard to read. A story like this is the definition of nuclear revenge. Our next Reddit post is from Pekavi. Backstory, my grandpa went to prison in his late teens and early 20s. He ended up spending 11 years in there. This was prison in the 30s and 40s, so to say it wasn't easy is putting it mildly. Anyway, he came out with a terrible temper and more prone to violence. This all happened in the early 60s in the rural Midwest. Grandpa and my grandma raised their kids the only way they knew how, picking vegetables as migrant farmers. In most of these little towns they lived in, the cops didn't really come around. The people in town just usually handled problems in their own way. In one of these towns, there was a piece of garbage who became known as someone who would frequently force himself on his daughters and then would sell them to his friends in a town they lived in before. It was kind of an open secret, but no one had proof. So most of the parents, my grandparents included, just told their kids they couldn't go to that house. Apparently one day, this piece of garbage makes a comment to another man how grandpa was sitting on a gold mine with all those pretty young daughters he had. The guy comes and tells grandpa what the piece of garbage said, and grandpa puts out word for the guy to stop by that afternoon. Piece of garbage comes over and grandpa is talking to him and says he should come over for supper that night and ask what his favorite meal is. At this point in time, the piece of garbage doesn't know that grandpa knows what he said. The guy tells him fried chicken and fried potatoes. Grandpa says, well, I'll get my wife to make it and you come back over in a few hours. After he leaves, grandma, who is visibly shaking, says she doesn't want to make this meal and asks him what he's doing and he says, honey, make it. Every man deserves a last meal. A few hours later, the piece of garbage comes back and grandma has made a spread. She always was a great cook. At this point, all their kids were at my grandma's parents' house. Piece of garbage makes himself a big plate and digs in. He's making small talk with grandpa the whole time. After he finished off his second plate, grandpa asked him if he got his fill. The piece of garbage says, heck yeah, you're a lucky man. Your wife is a great cook. And grandpa hit him. Grandpa beat him through the house and onto the front porch. As he was beating him on the front porch, most of the other fathers in the area came by to watch. When Grandpa was done, the man wasn't moving much and the porch was soaked in blood. Grandma told us that the six months they lived there after this incident, she could never get the bloodstains completely out. At this point, a few of the other fathers walked into the yard and said, don't worry about it, we'll take care of this. And they grabbed the piece of garbage and dragged him to one of their cars. Now, grandma never could tell us if the guy died or not, but the guy's family was still there when my grandparents and their kids moved to the next town and still hadn't seen him. 
My guess is if he didn't die from his injuries, the other fathers had themselves a little party that night. <laughs> this comment down below by nobody really perfectly captures this brand of justice. When I was a kid, there was a news story about a convicted child molester who was found dead in a cornfield about five miles south of town. He was handcuffed, hogtied, and gagged. The sheriff determined that he had tied himself up, beat himself to death, and then dragged his own dead body 300 yards into the corn. Case was closed as an obvious suicide. On an unrelated note, the sheriff made an announcement during the same press conference to let everyone know that you shouldn't dump garbage in a perfectly good cornfield. Instead, they need to take their trash out into the hills and make sure to bury that stuff at least four feet deep so the frost heaves don't bring it to the surface again anytime soon. Practical advice like that kept the man in office for another good 22 years before he retired to raise bison on his ranch. So, <laughs> who here likes stories of pedophiles getting their lives destroyed? Because I, for one, love stories of pedophiles getting their lives destroyed. That was r slash nuclear revenge, and if you enjoyed my content, please hit that subscribe button because I want 1 million subs so badly. We'll be back with more r slash content right after this short break. Welcome to r slash today I effed up, where we have the most epic today I effed up story I have ever read. I mean, seriously, this post has more plot twists than an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Our first post is from Tawei. Now, this post is kind of a roller coaster. The first post got deleted, and I had to track it down in the Wayback Machine, which is why the first post is in day mode and the second post is in night mode. This happened an hour ago, and I'm still shaking in fear about how my life will turn out from now on. There's two situations that lead to the conclusion of the screw up. The first situation. I asked my sister-in-law to borrow her 360-degree pocket camera for a trip my wife and I are soon vacationing to. I found out the memory card still had content. Her husband travels a lot, and she made a one-hour POV-style 360-degree erotic video, which I assume she sent to him a while back. I've had the hots for her for the past eight-plus years. Before she and I got married, there were several times sexual tensions arose between the two of us. Living together for a year as strictly roommates, movies, dinners, getting drunk while watching movies, just the two of us, breakfasts, etc. A certain trust or test was implemented and nothing ever happened between the two of us. As at the time, I was dating my now wife, which was working at a distance. But man, if at the time she had just touched my hand once back then, I think I would have lived a whole different life. So finding this video, I thought I struck gold. I could have what I've always fantasized about, gifting my past self while living my happy current life. The second situation. I have an automated house that lights up the house with geolocation. Before the app worked with Apple HomeKit, a third-party app needed to be downloaded which tracks your family and friends. The free version only allows you to add one person, so I added my wife. My wife and I have had this app for three years now, even if it's useless after an app update a couple of years back to the original app. 
We never deleted it since it was so useful for tracking each other using notifications. I get a notification when she's at work and when I arrive at work. We also both get notifications when one arrives home. It's good for times where she does groceries, for example, and I get a notification to prompt me to go out and help her out. Or when I work late and finally leave the office, prompting her to set up the dinner table. Last night, she fell asleep without charging her phone. I hate when she does that. Today, she went to work with barely any battery. What if she needs to call the police or a hospital for an emergency? I have the day off today. Today was the day I do the deed. I don't only go with simple 360 degree video, but literally set it up on my VR headset in bed with AirPods on. The whole experience. This would have lasted me five minutes tops. But the foreplay she does is long and boring. Then the action starts and I go on. My wife's phone didn't give a notification as she arrived because of her now dead phone. She comes to the bedroom and sees me unleashing the Kraken in bed with VR goggles on. She knows I release the Kraken occasionally, but never saw me do it. I sneak it in here and there. But VR videos was never discussed, as in, is it cheating if I do it? You know the conversation I'm talking about. Is it cheating if you have a sex doll? Is it cheating if it's a robot? Is it cheating if you do this thing that I'm not going to say on YouTube? It was the type of conversation we'd have at the very start of our relationship when we were still friends 10 years ago, to see how far one would take it. Weird, I know, but let's say it was one of those pre-game conversations to see if we're on the same page before things started getting serious. Pre-game conversations were not only about sex, by the way. Anyways, VR didn't exist back then, so it was never discussed. So I never knew if it was right or wrong for me to do it. I guess it was wrong since she rushed in and ripped the goggles from my face. That's when I see her in the room. The F, she says. Then she looks inside. Is that my sister? I'm screwed. She still had her shoes on from arriving. She just grabbed her bag with the VR headset and left the house. Looking at the tracking app, she's at her parents' house, which are neighbors of the sister-in-law. I'm screwed. Then, the next day, we get this. Update. So, basically, this is what happened tonight. Once my wife arrived at her parents' house, that's when I received a notification that her phone was back on and charging. Some people asked about the app. It's called Life360. It also gives battery percentage notifications when it runs low or when the phone is back on. I was already typing the long story on Reddit when suddenly the notification appeared, which I checked at the last minute and wrote she was at her parents' house before posting. So, basically, after posting, after feeling a bit better by telling someone and having a bit of weight off my shoulders, I was pacing around the apartment while trying to give her calls after calls, but it kept saying her phone was busy. This went on for 45 minutes, or forever. I couldn't focus on the time. All of a sudden, the sister-in-law calls. I ignored. I was way too scared to face this. She called five times in a row while I just watched it ringing. Then she gave up. Then just a text saying, call me. 
I left the apartment and decided to go watch a movie at the theater, needed to get distracted, which didn't help as I didn't focus once on Detective Pikachu. I received a call from my wife during the movie, but I ignored it. She knows I have an Apple Watch and I receive all notifications, so she knows I was ignoring. She only called once. Sister-in-law called three more times during the movie. I left the theater and decided to go back home. On the drive back, I received a notification that she arrived home. Now, I was petrified. But my out-of-body experience just told me, F it, suck it up, just get it over with. I arrived home and was getting ready for the poo storm that was about to happen. That out-of-body experience came back really quickly to reality as I got to the door and then had that fear again. I know she got the notification I was back. I get in the house and both wife and sister-in-law are in the living room on the couch. I didn't say anything. I wanted one of them to speak first. What if I said sorry, but there was nothing to be sorry about? At this point, I was trying to gauge the mood. I'm not one for confrontations or leading conversations. I'm very introverted. But I know I should be the first to say sorry, but didn't know how. My wife then says, I spoke to sister-in-law about what happened. She knows. I am so effed up in the head. Out of reflex, I say, knows what? She says, don't lie. The video. I was flushed red, I'm sure. My heart was beating so fast. Then, my wife said she deleted the video. This is when I apologized to both of them. So very, very much. Almost crying. I saw all the Reddit comments about divorce and all, and I was really upset at myself, but deserved it. But I didn't, but I did, but I didn't. Then, my sister-in-law speaks. She says, you do understand this video wasn't for you. Then she goes on for 10 minutes to tell me what I already know. I was wrong. I kept nodding. But then the drama comes out that effed with me. She said that it wasn't for her husband either. He's been constantly traveling to Bulgaria voluntarily at any chance he could for work. But also through the years, he's been having an affair with a colleague there who works at the branch. She knew about it for a while and let it slide as he was still providing for sister-in-law. But the money became less and less. My wife knew about this too as she and her sister are so close. But the info was kept within the family to avoid dishonor. This is a big Eastern mentality to have, and it's not the first time family info was kept secret from me. But now they told me because of the circumstance. I was told not to apologize or speak to her husband as he does not know about the video. My sister-in-law is seeing someone else. Her husband and her both live as roommates for now. The divorce word can never be spoken, but she's found someone long distance and that video was for him. The reason for all of the calls from the sister-in-law was to not mention anything to her husband. The sister-in-law feared that if I did, the video would have been proof during the divorce process as if she was at fault. It was a very emotional afternoon. I felt like throwing up many times. 
The focus was more on sister-in-law and her life, though, and her shame for having kept her relationship going as long as it has. The guy is barely leaving any money on the side for her anymore, so she's been sleeping more and more at her parents' house. Me obtaining the video didn't come up more than once. I don't know if it was because it was too embarrassing for everyone or what, but it will come up another day for sure. Maybe after everyone has relaxed and tears have dried, I'll have an honest conversation with my wife about my wrongdoings and also include if VR videos are fine or not. For tonight, my wife invited my sister-in-law to stay and sleep over. We got some food and drank a few bottles of wine to make us forget a bit, although it felt insanely awkward. Sister-in-law seemed to be feeling better. She was smiling and laughing and slapping my shoulder or kicking me under the table every time I made a joke. She seemed more open with me now that I was one of the people to know her secret and she could trust and talk to me if she needs to. All three of us fell asleep in sleeping bags in the living room, kind of like camping, to keep her company during this tough time for her. My wife seemed okay for now, too. Then, OP posts an update, but it isn't OP. It's OP's wife logged in to OP's account. This is his now ex-wife. Did he not realize, or was he too dumb to remember, we share everything, including the same Reddit app? I logged in to see this throwaway as the default login account. I took a look through the comments and was seriously disgusted by most of the responses suggesting to sexually approach both of us last night. And my sister did mention he tried something in the middle of the night once. This guy is living in another world. I am only posting this to reassure everyone thinking he got away with it, that these types of scumbags do not. I came home yesterday with my sister to pack my stuff. I saw his update saying it seemed alright, but I was keeping it in for the next morning. The reason we slept in the living room is because I didn't want him to see my bags in the corner of the bedroom. He came home suddenly before I finished packing. It wasn't fun camping or a picnic. This morning, before he woke up, we grabbed the rest of my stuff and left. I went to the bank and froze our joint account before he irresponsibly starts taking cash out. I am not seeing him anymore. I'm going to lawyer up, give away all this Reddit gold to the comments that I feel were actually reasonable, and divorce him. Oh, and husband, if you can read this, I've deleted the tracking app. My lawyer will call you to unfreeze your share and take the steps to unlink me from any other tracking apps you might have on me. It's worth mentioning that as of reading this story, this post has 110,000 upvotes, 10 Reddit Platinums, 30 Reddit Golds, and 66 Reddit Silvers. And on top of that, all the views from this YouTube video. <laughs> this is the most exposed a cheater has ever been on Reddit, but not the most exposed a cheater has ever been on YouTube unless OP happens to be named Pro Jared. Our next post is from Wafeless. I was at a UK airport and as a perk of my job, I had a business class ticket to fly to Brazil. I'd never flown first class before and felt pretty giddy and excited. I mean, why wouldn't I? I was going to Brazil for three weeks for a business class in a five-star hotel I hadn't had to pay for. To make it even better, as it was technically a business trip, I was getting paid to be there. 
I'm heading to the departure gate and I ended up on one of those long escalators. You know the kind they have in airports that you silently note to yourself, hey, that's a big escalator. I'm going down, got my backpack on, my headphones in, and I'm in a good mood. Such a good mood, I decide to jump the last few steps just because I'm a little giddy thinking about all those Brazilian girls. Some sunshine, some cheap booze, and absolutely no stuffy office and intolerable moody coworkers. So I jump, hit the plate at the bottom, and the freaking thing locks up and makes a high-pitched noise. It doesn't gradually come to a stop. It just stops. It's a busy airport. It's a busy escalator too. I turn around and see people tumbling down this thing, crashing into people and more people falling. An alarm goes off and people in uniforms come running out shouting into walkie talkies. I try my absolute best to disappear into the crowd, another shocked bystander wondering what's going on. I see a lady bleeding from her nose, a man with a probably broken arm, kids crying, and I know it's my fault. I feel horrible, but not just horrible, worried. Worried I won't be going anywhere. What will work say? I head to the departure gate and board my flight without issue. The business class is severely tainted. I spend the whole trip worried I'll be arrested at the other end. Every possible scenario goes through my head. I got off scot-free, but I'm still feeling bad about it, so I thought I'd come and tell all of you about it so you can judge me instead. Well, I mean, if OP wants us to judge him, let's all call this guy a jerk down in the comments. That was r slash today I effed up, and if you enjoyed this video, please subscribe because I want to hit 1 million subs and you can help me get there.